0: Welcome to Great Match Generator here on Social Flex Podcast Network. I am Danny, and I'm just here with Matt today. How are you doing, Matt?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm getting the vaccine on Sunday. <laughs> on the week we record this, this Sunday. Um, so I, I feel pretty good. Um, and it just feels pretty good that we're finally getting a, a hold of this virus. It seems
1: like... Yeah, well, it's excellent news you're getting it, and I think you know, long way to go still, but it does feel like there's direction. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic, so uh, it does feel like we're there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I guess at least, um, at least for me.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, your Miami Dolphins
1: did not make the playoffs. You and- <sighs> yeah, it was rough. It was a rough game to watch them uh get get close to to having a playoff run and then lose in such spectacular fashion but I'm kind of used to it so it didn't take me long to get over it I suppose
0: yeah but but it, it's better
1: than being a Philadelphia Eagles fan I'll tell you that it seems like it at least right now though you can you know you can remember your last super bowl so oh yeah we can <laughs> I can't remember my last super bowl we <laughs> the only super bowl but at least I can That's remember true. Yeah. I was not so.
0: afraid. I was. I was. I was. I was definitely down there for that. So.
1: Yeah. It's uh. But the the if you know, the playoffs have been fun. It's been a, It's been an interesting, interesting playoff run for the most part. Uh, and I'm. I'm already as a Dolphins fan. I'm already looking forward to the off season. It's. it's I always say it's the time the Dolphins can't lose games. So. Uh. It's. It's always nice to follow the, the movement in the off season. Yeah, it's always interesting to follow and you guys have a lot of cat money, so
0: Yeah, and draft
1: capital. Lots of draft, draft
0: capital because Bill
1: O'Brien was dumb. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we'll we'll see what they end up doing with all those picks and, and all that draft money, so or that cat the cat money, excuse me. Um yeah. I'm again, I'm interested to see. It's it's always fun to follow. But well, we have
0: our annual football conversation, but yeah. but we have some matches to go over today. We have Harry and Dory Funk Jr. versus Dan Hansen and Bruiser Brody from All Japan Pro Wrestling 12-13-82. The final match of the Real World Tag League. Mm-hmm. And it was essentially the final, too. Mm-hmm. Because there were stakes involved. Um, that's how they booked All Japan. They call it the final match. And, and it essentially was the final um, Yeah. Um, then we had Estudio Onita versus Tarzan Goto from 1991, 226, 1991, in a fun little match. Undertaker versus Mankind, buried a live match, 102096. And then we have this fun little Brian Danielson Low Key match from J B W 6702, and I have a lot of thoughts on that one. Yeah, but
1: excited we go to talk about.
0: It. We have we have 1982 Real World Tag League final match funks versus hansen and brody
1: um yeah fantastic brawl of a of a match here i think yeah i don't know kind of how kind of where to start with this it's um i think it's it's just just four pissed off men doing pissed off things exactly and i think that These kind of tag matches, these early 80s, even late 70s tag matches, particularly the ones featuring the Funks, really accelerated at like kind of controlled chaos. Uh, There's a real sense of just loss of control in a lot of these matches. I think this one accomplishes that in some ways. Um, It's going to be really easy to say this is a brilliant Terry Funk performance because most performances from Terry Funk are pretty brilliant. Uh, But I think Dory deserves some credit here. I think he's a little bit. Uh, he's a little bit underappreciated a lot of times, he's or at least more in some. He's fiery than
0: usual on this tag.
1: What's he's that?
0: A little, he's a little more fiery than
1: usual on this tag. He he has deceptive fire, but he also winds up playing a really sympathetic face in peril, where he's where, uh, sort of in the, the back half of the match when he is just bleeding buckets, and uh, there are two there are no more two menacing men on the planet than Brody and Hanson to be working <laughs> oh on top of God. you. So I think that that part really carries a lot of like emotional weight in this match. Whereas, um, you know, you get a, you get a hot start, you get Funk and Hanson starting off hot with uh, one of the best collar and types you will ever see and just laying into each other and, and really kind of setting a tone. Uh, and then you get that, that back half of the match where, there's the blood and the drama of can, can Terry get in to, to save his brother. Uh, the middle for me was a little disjointed. It was just a little bit, a little bit in terms of breaks and flows for me. And, it, and that's just what keeps it from being elite. That doesn't keep it from being a great match. It's just the nitpickiness. But uh, I do think it's still a, a really great match. And I loved, loved Terry Funk rolling in the streamers after taking the Lariat on the outside at the end. He, he kind of wraps himself in the the streamers that the fans had thrown in at the beginning of the match that uh, all the attendants had pulled to the outside. And so Funk is out for the the, the close of the match, while, uh, while Brody and Hanson work over Dory. Terry Funk is... L- sort of writhing in pain wrapped in the the streamers on the outside. this was a really nice touch and and good visual and Terry Funk constantly straddling that line between serious and having fun uh, is, is just classic Terry Funk. Um, So I personally liked the match a lot, thought it was a great match, but I didn't think it was quite um, like, you know, the, a contender for my personal greatest match ever list but it is a it is an absolute classic tag match. I think people um, should go see it. Oh, to me, one of the better Brody matches. I, I'm a little bit lower on yeah. uh, Brody in general.
0: Yeah, I wasn't really impressed with Brody in this match. I was more impressed with Hanson. Sure. Honestly, um, pissed off Hanson is a glorious thing. Yeah, <laughs> and when he's pissed off, boy, get out of the way. <laughs> um, you'd. You do not want to be a young lion or one of the ring boys, no. um, because he's going to lariat you and he is going to potato you in such a fashion that is glorious and somewhat fun. Um, yeah. um, Han- H- Hansen was the Hansen to me was the star of this match. Um, Funk Terry Funk was really good in this match, but Hanson to me was uh, was in pure set with such a presence and then a badass in this match mm-hmm. yeah that
1: they're kind of sorry go ahead
0: that you love him
1: yeah Um, uh, i think there are kind of two things about hansen that make him just sort of like he has such a high floor um and one of them is pretty well known right like that he like he had terrible eyesight so you know, when he's throwing lariats and he's throwing shots, he often was just potatoing people because he couldn't really see them. Uh, so it, it adds a sense of, like, legitimacy that, you know, maybe maybe in hindsight it's not, like, the most professional thing. But I'm not a wrestler. I'm not here to judge that for the most part. So I, I kind of just take what I enjoy. And, and Hanson, you know, Hanson's physicality is, is really enjoyable in matches. But the other is that I, I've always read that Hanson said that he – never really planned anything he always just responded to the person in front of him and i think that's one of the reasons he's really good at being in these kinds of matches where is this sense of chaos this uh this real kind of sense of danger around the match because you know when he's when he gets on a rampage like you said get out of the way because he's just responding to everything around him he's not have necessarily like this great plan. He just knows what a fight looks like, and he knows how to how to be in one. So, um, the the that sense of chaos is where he thrives, uh, and where Terry Funk thrives a lot. And I think I think Brody was was solid in this match. I don't want to take anything away from him. Bruiser Brody looked, uh, I think, pretty good in this match. But I I agree, it's it's hard to outshine Stan Hansen in any uh, setting, yeah. to be honest.
0: And to be fair, I thought Brody looked goodness man he looked menacing he looked awesome mm-hmm. um at times he looked very menacing and he looked when he was overpowering dory it it, it looked like he was a monster but mm-hmm. when he looked next to hansen it's like night and day
1: yeah but yeah it's just that's i think that's one of the reasons the hansen brody pairing is kind of famous is that they're both these big you know menacing monsters like you said um and to me they complement one another in that like it's kind of the best scenario for, for Bruiser Brody like matches where he's tagged with somebody who can um who could pull their weight physically but also really excel at building the the energy of a match um and not maybe put so much on Bruiser Brody to hold lots of it together is is. like that's a that's i think where he thrives and i don't that does that sounds a little bit more like a knock than it is but uh additionally you know nobody demands more respect than the funks so the good thing is that neither hansen nor bruiser brody were going to gobble up the funks and not give him any offense so that also helps a little bit one of the one of the few criticisms of hansen that i i think makes sense is that sometimes he could gobble opponents up a little bit. to, to the detriment of the match. But it also made other matches that much more meaningful.
0: Yeah, I thought Brody was a great heel in this. Um, mm-hmm. um, it, it was just fun to watch. Yeah, absolute blast of the match. I, I gave this four and a quarter.
1: I gave it the exact same thing. Four and a quarter. Uh, so for even my little, my little critique of the disjointed middle is, is, again, just nitpicky stuff. Because this is really, really good.
0: Yeah, this is just really, really good stuff. Um, pissed off him. And the finish was a little weird. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah not my favorite finish, but, you know, you they can't all be perfect finishes.
0: Now we go to that to sleaze. <laughs> now we go to that to some astucey uh, Onita versus Tarzan Gordo. We go to that to sleaze. <laughs> In the best possible manner.
1: Yeah. Uh, so um, why, don't you, why don't you tell me what you think of this match first, because I, I, I don't know what to make of it in a lot of ways. I like it, but I don't know what to I make of it. I know
0: what to make of it. Astucia Onita is, is John Moxley's spirit animal in a lot of <laughs> ways. Um, um, I think people compare John Moxley to Steve Austin all the time, and it, it's like, no, he's more like Onita.
1: Yeah, I said that on Twitter a while back. Uh, there was, like, a, a GIF of, Onita coming out in his like leather jacket, I was like, that's so much more Moxley than than anything else. Yeah, yeah,
0: I remember you saying that, and I was like, I I saw it in this match, and I'm like, yep, yep, exactly. And Onita's such, and Godo's such a badass in this match too. That mm-hmm. he he comes out here, started headbutting. Mm-hmm like a wild man, then, then Suicide dives into the crowd. And I'm like, I'm like, here we, we can go. Yeah.
1: It's, it definitely starts about as hot as any match can. Like, you know, Onita's coming out and Tarzan is just standing in the ring, giving, giving, giving him nothing. Like not, not stepping back an inch. And then they just throw headbutts right off the bat. Uh, I think Tarzan is busted open in like the first 30 seconds of the match. Seconds, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, they do the dive to the outside. So it's, it really starts like a match, you know, when I was first watching it, I was like, oh, man, I might I might be in for a, for a genuine top tier classic here. And, then and go to it really no
0: started like that. With the chair twice.
1: Mm-hmm. And then.
0: The, the spot where Godo goes, like, screw tables
1: and,
0: <laughs> and throws it at Onita. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he, like, freaks out and then, like, clunkily throws a table into the ring just to, like, toss it at Onita's head. Um, yeah. And, and both men are <laughs> –
0: I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, this is already four stars?
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they really I – mean, there's something to be said for starting a match like that. And I think that a lot of my favorite matches, at least – have really great starts but that they never really let up or they never lose the, the plot, if you will. Um,
0: These guys lost the plot a little bit after yeah. the pile drive.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's kind of where I was headed a little bit that, you know, they, they start out so high, they're both bleeding in like three minutes. They're, and it, it, it doesn't feel like contrived right it doesn't feel like a match where they're just bleeding for bleeding's sake they're bleeding because they sell you on how much they they want to hurt each other and how much they want to win really early and then it does sort of taper off and it kind of like kind of wanders a little bit for me um they they kind of win me back at the end but again much like the last one actually it's great start um Good home stretch. Just had a little bit better finish overall. Yeah, but there's a some, whole better
0: finish.
1: Yeah, but there's some um, stuff in the middle that just sort of loses I,
0: I, I, I Tells the pile driver on the Japanese table. I'm like, because he's a Bamf.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it. Well, there's a little. Ta- those thin tables. Like, you you watch people go through them, and you're like, that that does not look easy to go through. That you got to really put some effort uh, into breaking those tables. It seems like. And it adds a little bit to me that that wicked pile driver was was definitely something I noticed. Um, and then they sort of started exchanging the. Good, sorry.
0: And then the mid section where where like um, Goto was going for all these splashes and stuff like that, it didn't make a little sense.
1: Yeah, it just like lost some of- steam. to it. It, it it's they just I don't, I don't know there was nothing like bad about it. it oh, no, it
0: wasn't bad.
1: It felt like it didn't match the urgency of the beginning of the match, which is so hard to do. It's it, I can't imagine it's easy to keep that level up for very long. So uh, again, kind of not a, not really a criticism, just to like uh, separating the, the really, really top tier from the, the very good to great matches. Um, that's the kind of criticisms you're gonna make. But I thought they also won it back in the the end, right? I thought the big move exchanges down the home stretch, that they finally the up,
0: um, the, uh mm, absolutely the, uh, they I thought the bot count would uh hurt it a little bit,
1: uh, little bit. at the end. Yeah, a little bit. It it's you know, just one of those things where if you're gonna have a, a really truly elite match, kinda everything has to come together. It's not just about the plan and the execution, like intangibles involved, and uh, you know, here's a, I guess it's a tangible, the referee, but just you know, little things like that. Um, but I, I I did like how they. That's so-
0: where you don't you want to give four and a half, but <laughs> but you can only justify giving it four because because it's like th- there are some mistakes, there are some, but you want to give it four and a half. Yeah, I tweeted mean, this out. There's like there's like Matches where you this is where the star rate this is one of the hundred favorite matches of all time. Right. This would be in it This would be in it because
1: Yeah, it certainly could be.
0: They just They just say, screw it all.
1: Yeah. And it's definitely a match that I probably like more than like I think there's like an objective greatness to it and that's a tricky thing to navigate in general we talked a little bit about this recently off the podcast and I, I think it's I generally think you should give stars to the things that you like you should rate things that you like and not worry about sort of what is objectively good but I do think there is some difference sometimes that you know matches have you know they have lots of things you like in them but you could definitely see why other people wouldn't like them as much so I, was I think you as yeah. I was watching
0: this match and I was like, this is objectively a four star match, but I wanna give it more.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. I like the exasperation at the end. They they really sell being sort of exhausted and beaten down. And and I that's the thing I really really like at the end of a match um but you know those those high angle power bombs to the dome as you said were were brutal at the very end of the match i think that it it ended strong um i actually gave it four and a quarter to give it a little bit more um i think it's on par with the previous match but in a very different way you know has some has some maybe relative strengths, I pull the but... trigger
0: and say four and a quarter, but I, I don't feel right. I, the sleaze yeah. ball in me doesn't feel right giving <laughs> it a four and a quarter. <laughs> but but still, four stars. This is fantastic. Sure. Go on yeah. your way and watch this.
1: Yeah, good stuff. And, and,
0: FMW, awesome.
1: Yeah, and probably, like, more than some of the more touted, like, quote-unquote, death matches, this kind of thing is maybe a little bit more transition match to fmw um where you could kind of
0: a little more sleazy and this felt a little more dirty Um, it is
1: it's a it's it's a it's it is a sleazy kind of dirty grimy match but it's also it's a professional wrestler like it's like nothing seems that out of place it's a it's there's a little bit of plunder but it's not you know if you've never watched FMW or if you've never gotten into, say, you know your your barbed wire exploding matches, things like that, this match kind of would be a, a, a bridge.
0: Very live match we're going to talk about next,
1: honestly. Yeah, this is a bridge match between those kinds of things. But so I, I th- yeah, again, I think it's I think it's still a great match. Um, high praise for it. It's uh, and especially you know people should be watching Onita, um, just regardless.
0: Oh, people should be watching Onita for its greatness. Oh, yeah. God bless that man. Yeah. God bless that man for the money deals he's hustled and oh. <laughs> and for for everything that man has done. God bless that man. Yeah,
1: he's 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 great.
0: He is freaking phenomenal. Um, up next we have Undertaker versus Mankind. Um, October twenty sixth, twentieth, nineteen ninety six, buried alive. Poor. Plus points on the side. It starts off as a brawl. They didn't Mm -hmm. lock up anything. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I thought... I counted the amount of cringeworthy bumps Mick Foley took in this match. There were about four of them. There were about four of them. Um, The first cringeworthy bump was to the floor. Um. Um... It was... And um, Taker Flies. And then they did the small package thing on the dirt.
1: hmm
0: I thought that was very unique. hmm The small package thing from the dirt to roll out off the dirt and get back to the ring. Um, they made everything feel dangerous. Um, um, Cringe worthy bump number two for Foley was the... Uh, and number one for Taker a- after they... Went into the crowd and Foley bumped from the crowd to to the floor because the first cringe-worthy bump he bumped from the apron to the floor. Yeah, of course, because he's Mick Foley. Right. <laughs> and and then number one for Taker, this was the only cringe-worthy bump for Taker as he clotheslined Foley to to the outside.
1: Mm-hmm. Um.
0: And then Paul Bearer interfered with the old school. Pulley got the spike. Taker got didn't get busted from the spike, which I thought hurt the match a little bit. Um, Taker got the spike. Um, Taker, Taker really looked athletic here. Taker looked athletic here. I'm um, mm-hmm. I, I really astounded how athletic Undertaker looked here. Taker rolls into the grave and then they battle in the grave. Cringe-ready bump, number three. Is the hip toss off the Dirt. Mm, yeah. The floor. Um, and then the cringeworthy bump four with the chokeslam spot. <laughs> oh,
1: you you missed my favorite cringeworthy bump, though, uh, for, oh, for, I for Mankind. I missed your cringeworthy bump. Would, so, would um, yeah, I'm trying to, like, look at my notes because I want to make sure I'm getting it right. Yeah, so um, Taker sort of has Mankind in this uh, – i don't really know how to explain it but he's got him, like basically for for a back slam like sitting back to slam him um i think oh. actually like mankind was on his back yeah and so taker drives back into the steps on the outside and just basically sits on mankind's face like oh harsh.
0: yeah i remember that
1: uh, i had that in my notes but that wasn't oh, as quick oh man i to me that was the one where i was like Get that hurt like the stairs themselves hurt, but I bet the way the way that he accidentally I think sort of got a little bit more square on his face was brutal looking to me.
0: The way he bumped his head on, yeah, <laughs> that, that, there were some cringeworthy spots in this match. <laughs> the, yeah, the hip toss off the dirt into the floor that was freaking amazing. Mm. The DDT onto the chair I didn't include that. The Texas pile driver, um. The backdrop onto the steel steps. Um, I did have step spot there mm-hmm. when he pushed him off. Um him, mandible, claw, choke slam onto the grave. That was cringeworthy bump number four.
1: Yeah, there's uh, so there's a like kind of a few things about this match that stood then out. then Hester
0: had a cringeworthy bump.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so I think this is a good match. In general, it's a little bit better than I remembered it being, and I probably enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. It's to me, I don't know that there's anybody more important to the Attitude Era, at least in sort of making it digestible in retrospect
0: then Fol- than,
1: than Foley, because if yeah. you think of all of the biggest names of the Attitude Era, Virtually all of them have at least one of their top feuds with Foley and for many of them really key feuds to making them stars. So Taker was already established. He didn't necessarily need mankind to be, to be, to be the undertaker, but I do think it helped elevate him and helped sort of keep him relevant through the, the WWE turning a little bit more serious. Um, And that sort of brings me to my like kind of next point about this match is it, kind of rides the line between cartoony wwe and yeah, that's serious wh- brawl that's
0: where it docked points for me because um, they had they had that 1994 feel where all the heels came out and at the yeah. end i like what's the point of all
1: this sh- yeah, stuff it- it's well, like you said, like, So there's all of this physicality, right? And I think that this was sort of the, the issue with early mankind stuff was that they had all this physicality that Foley was very good at. He made things very visceral and he made things very realistic in a lot of ways. And um, but it was still in this package of, of the kind of WWE cartooniness and, and even that mankind gimmick early on, as serious as it was in like. Compa- juxtaposed to the rest of the roster as much as it sort of gave this this aura of danger because of Foley's performances it's still not like Cactus Jack right it's it still doesn't have quite the that gritty as much grittiness to it at least for my my taste so this match kind of ends up between those like there's very physical parts of this match but it kind of it shies away from leaning completely into that kind of match to, to that really truly like gritty, even for American mainstream, gritty American mainstream wrestling. Um, So it, it just kind of caps itself in a, in a way. Uh, I also think Foley is phenomenal in holding all of this together. Like if you think about how many times they go up to the grave and come back to the ring, the, just getting the kind of, Getting it right in terms of walking out there, walking back, walking out there, walking back, and making that and not the feel it's because Yeah, making it not feel contrived is is really hard. And, you know, credit to Taker for it as well, but I think Foley is often the one being chased. Uh he's often the one kind of holding the pacing and the distance together. And it just seems to me, to my my fans uh, perspective at least. so I really thought this was a great performance from him to take something that's kind of cheesy and a whole an entire storyline um especially once you get to the end that's a little cheesy and still giving it a, a, a kind of realistic feel that that you could kind of get lost in uh, even in you know 2021 looking back all these years later it still kind of feels like that so i I really liked it I thought it was. Um, better than I remembered it being, you know, the for a, a buried alive match in the mid 90s, and uh, it it well, reminds you of, of
0: ever We've
1: never Oh yeah, well it it reminds you of how good and physically gifted Taker was as a as a wrestler at, at one point in time, and how just how kind of brilliant Mick Foley is. Like I, I really just think he's one of the smartest. One of the best professional wrestling minds uh, we've ever seen, and I think this brings out a lot of both both men's best characteristics.
0: Yeah, I agree. I thought I thought Foley was excellent in his match. Cringeworthy bumps aside, he had to take those cringeworthy bumps to make this match great for sure. Um, um, and he worked his ass off to to. Make this match great. Not that Taker wasn't great in this match as well. It's just the way to get this match over to a serious enough edge on the main event of an In Your House um, to make it a serious enough thing was to
1: bump your ass off. Mm. And And also a lot of credit to Paul Bearer. I think he comes in and and – his his uh his interference comes in like really good places like it's just solid old school wrestling cheating and I think the dynamic works well it's not overdone but it's um but it's clear and makes sense in the story and builds what they're doing and the dynamic that they're sort of constructing overall so I think all three worked really well together and and you know yeah made for made for a really nice match yeah I thought. Well, Bearer was really
0: good, in, good in his role in this match too, because he wasn't too invasive.
1: Yeah. Um, so, what did you give this one? Four. Same. Oh, I, I, I gave it four. Um, because
0: overall, I, I couldn't, I couldn't deny the effort. I couldn't deny the effort.
1: Um, yeah, I think it's a good match. It's a, it's a really good match. It's, uh, and especially if you knew that time period. There's a little there's a little nostalgia in there.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I was just an infant at that time period. So I don't have, really have nostalgia for that time period. But at the same time it's like at the same time I was like, Holy mackerel, this is this real good. Yep. Now we're getting to some J A P W. Um Brian Danielson Low Key six seven oh two.
1: His submission match.
0: Submission only. Um, really like this. Um, yeah. What, like the urgency and the and the um, engaging wrestling by mm-hmm. both men on the early going. I thought I thought the whole match was very engaging, very urgent. Um, um, I thought this is what Loki should have made his career out of. Um, this was like this was like Loki wrestling to his very high peak. Um yeah. um with his submission game and with his striking. Um I thought I thought this was phenomenal. Um and Danielson, he's Brian Danielson. Mm-hmm. Two thousand two wasn't even his peak of powers and it it was phenomenal.
1: Yeah. I I actually in some ways think that like I don't want to say that like 2001, 2002 was Danielson's best work, but I think it's on par with anything he's ever done because it's different. Like to me, it's like a, a great, uh, a great band's first album. Um, it might not be the most polished thing they do. It might not be the the, the, the best or most acclaimed thing they do, but, but it's, it's him. It's like a very unique sort of thing. And I think that, um, I love this this rivalry, especially uh, the, the singles matches they had in 2001 and 2002. I think to me the best pairing in wrestling history is Stan Hansen and Kento Kobashi. The number two pairing for me is Kobat or as uh, Loki and Brian Danielson. Just in terms of how much I like their matches and their chemistry and what they produce um, I think I think it's as, I, I rate it as highly as I rate just about anything in all of wrestling. So, it's I, I a love a
0: shame I couldn't pull the trigger on five. just
1: yeah. a shame. If mean, that
0: was not a charity show crowd hmm. and was in front of an 0304 Ring of Honor crowd, I would have pulled the trigger.
1: I, I still give it five. Um, and so, a, a few reasons. I, we talked a little bit about this a couple episodes back. I think... Um, we were talking about an evolved match with with Chris Hero, if I'm not mistaken, and I talked a little bit about how like the thing I like about early 2000s uh, independent wrestling, particularly your your kind of the people who emerged as the the memorable wrestlers of that time. So your Low Keys, your Brian Danielson's, Chris Hero's, well a little bit later Chris Hero, um, AJ Styles, wow. you know, even uh, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe. The thing I liked about them is that they were pulling um they were pulling their inspiration from a lot of different places so they were look they were watching all Japan they were watching New Japan in the 90s they were uh watching shoot style they were they were i think they were probably watching Joshi they were watching lucha they were, they were watching lots of different kinds of wrestling and so they weren't coming out and doing the mainstream american wrestling pure and simple and it took a little while i think for the rest of wrestling to catch up a little bit with that, but we all we ultimately that's I think what shaped a lot of even now WWE. But at the time it was really unique, and I think here we get some of the coolest hybrid wrestling between pro style and shoot style, um, because you can tell that Brian and Key have watched their rings, they've watched their UWFi, they are trained. At least to some extent, I don't know how much training either one of them had, had at this point, but they they clearly understood grappling in a legitimate way. Um, you can tell when somebody does, and I think they clearly did. And they they're using they're using leverage, they're using their body weight, they're they're escaping holds, they're transitioning in ways that are not necessarily pro wrestling ways of doing it, uh, particularly in the early 2000s. So I really like that hybrid. Thing between them um here that the way that they they implement those kinds of things um i like that they you know they they work stiff um you know dragon just, just you know grinding uh i think he's grinding like a knee or an elbow in early on in the match setting good pace for just how the grappling is going to be grappling but it's not they're not sitting around in it they're they're going for it so, so they're
0: engaging they are mm-hmm. they're making sure um it's it's something's being done while in the grapple Um, yeah and 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 i enjoyed that as i enjoyed all the aspects you're talking about Um, yeah i know it took a while for the crowd to catch up it's just yeah for me to get the investment
1: sure well the other thing about this match is it's just the story within it right like i think it would be easy to lose yourself in like oh this is like Good technical wrestling but really the the story is nice that like brian actually especially if you're following on a bigger scale brian's got a couple of like relatively high profile singles wins by this point excuse me over key he's got the round robin challenge match earlier in the year against key uh, from ring of honor um king of the indies out west he he won that match i believe as well so brian's got like a few pretty key wins over um key at this point and he kind of dominates the grappling Or doesn't dominate it but he, he ends up getting the best of the grappling usually and key has to kind of turn it into a scrap That's or fun. or yeah or use his striking or use some big um some sort of big more pro wrestling spot to get out of things so there's like the one where um dragon the
0: what's that that bridging submission that i didn't know what to call
1: um th- not that one there, there was there was a spot where i think like dragon sort of got um kind of an arm triangle position he's working he's sort of had an arm oh, choke okay, yeah. and Key just sort of stands up with him picks dragon up in there and just runs into the corner um and that's a spot in varying ways that Key has used to, you know, they'll take somebody in a submission, he'll pick him up and run him into the corner. But it felt really like desperate in the kind of clunky way that he had a hold of Brian in this. And it just little stuff like that adds a lot to this match. Um, I you know, I totally get that um, I totally get that the that the audience or the crowd wasn't as invested in part of this. Um, I try personally to not hold crowds against matches, but it's also really hard to not take it into account. There's such an energy around it. But I, to me, this is still an absolute classic, a true five-star match to me. Um, But I'm again, relatively high on this pairing. I think they have at least two and possibly three five-star matches between them in between 2001 and 2002. Um, And this is, probably this is my second favorite of those and it's it's you know it's on my it's on my top 100 list it's not going anywhere on my top 100 list and every time i've watched it i like it more
0: i still rated it four and three quarters it's sure. not like i hate it. oh it's no that's, like
1: I hated it. yeah
0: uh, i i love this thing
1: um yeah uh, i actually it, really really liked it um it's a real shame that the the the, the other two aren't here to talk about this. So I was really curious to see what other people um, who I think their tastes, I think our tastes are, are fairly similar. I mean, obviously we've, we've got pretty similar ratings on all these matches, but I think, you know, my taste of Greg's are a little bit different. I was, I was kind of curious yeah. to what he thought of this match, but, uh, but alas, yeah. you know, uh, here we are. And I think it's, it's still a match that I, I can't recommend enough that people go check this out, especially if you like grappling, like, like
0: if I, I
1: think Greg really liked it because um in the past when we
0: introduced the grappling based stuff, he's really liked it. Um mm-hmm. and and the fact that Danielson and Key really would have I'll get him to watch it. I'll get
1: yeah. it. Yeah, again, um, you know, just for as, as far as like anybody who happens upon this podcast and happens upon hearing me me talk, I just can't recommend this enough and I can't recommend uh, everything these two have done together in in the especially in those early 2000s, there's actually not a lot of one on one matches that we have documented. I'm sure they probably had a couple that you know aren't on cage match and never made tape, but I think there's only like six or seven total. Between the two. And uh, and the especially those early ones, their chemistry is just off the charts. And the finish of this, we didn't even talk about the finish of this. The finish of this match is incredible. The
0: finish the flying arm bar, yeah. Yeah. Um
1: that, that is a a really great like it it it's a flash finish, but it doesn't feel disappointing. It feels well earned. No, it didn't
0: feel disappointing. I, I didn't dock points for the finish we The finish was odd. Aw- the finish was actually really cool. Without a yeah. flying arm. He was dominating, and then he got he caught
1: him. He caught
0: him. That's yep. that's how yeah.
1: it is sometimes. Yeah, Brian had control, and he and he kind of comes off the ropes, and Key just jumps up for a, a flying armbar, so he gets him in kind of a um, a pseudo triangle position, but he's got the arm extended for that armbar, and uh, and taps him quick. So it's it's realistic in that if you get into an arm bar in real life or in, in a real shoot match, like you don't get to like just stay in it until you like, you know, crawl to the ropes or your arm breaks. Um, and again, it's just one of those little, little touches that they put on this that where they're trying to set themselves apart, they're playing with the form of wrestling, I think here. And that's a thing I absolutely love about this period of, of independent wrestling. So, um, you know, four, four and three quarters and five, is
0: Independent wrestling, and and, and sad.
1: Yeah, it's it's just good stuff. My favorite match of this week by by some distance.
0: Yeah, this is my favorite match of this week too. Um, really, really good counter wrestling, really good, really good. Both playing mind game. It it was really good. Mm Hmm. By far, but next week we have a doozy. Um. Terry Funk versus Brandi- Barry Windham from World Wrestling Council. We're going to Puerto Rico. Nice. 9 1986. Then we have... When we go back to Japan, the land of the rising sun, we have some Wrestle and Romance for the first time here. Kenro um, Kenichiro and Masaharu, Masao Orihara versus Great Kabuki and Koki K- Kitahara. Okay. From nineteen ninety two. Then we have a modern classic, just from last year. FTR versus Adam Page and Kenny Omega.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. I'm like the high vote on that match. <laughs> um, nine five twenty twenty,
0: and then El Santanico versus Super Astro. We go to Mexico, EMLL. Oh. 102684.
1: Awesome, good, good variety of matches.
0: Good variety of matches, and two, and then I see episode 12 working, and we have another Baba match.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Baba.
0: <To> Greg Chagrin. <laughs> it's I randomize these matches. Don't don't play me.
1: Yeah, they're definitely they're definitely randomized. You can, you know, we're just getting a good variety. But uh, it'll be a fun it'll be a fun show next week or next time. It'll around. be a fun next time.
0: Next time probably won't be next week, but right, right, some sometime in, in the near future.
1: But plugs, plugs, plugs. Uh, yeah. So I'm on the Twitter at Markout Mountain. Um, come follow me. And then if uh, if you haven't already, uh, the the greatest match ever project. Is at net. and uh, we're kind of kind of getting back in the swing of talking about various things uh, after last year's project. There's always a little bit of a lull, and I think we're kind of kind of getting a little bit more momentum. People are, are kind of tuning back in. And greatest wrestler ever is getting back up
0: back up too. It, it, it's exciting times.
1: Yeah, there's there's a variety of greatest wrestler ever projects Discussion. this year i think i'm not really sure i'm not really sure where they're being where they're all being housed what they're doing we've talked a little bit about uh doing a very informal one over at the greatest match ever forum um i, I don't know if somebody else heads that up i'll happily participate but uh it's it's not going to be i'm not going to be the the lead the lead <laughs> the lead organizer on that one uh this this time yeah, we
0: yeah. but it's going to be a there's gonna be some good stuff with Great Wrestler ever this year. I'm really excited for that stuff with sure. with Alan and Case Slow leading the way and, yep. and with that stuff. And I'm I'm just really excited to see what's going on with that with that stuff because that that could be some interesting stuff coming out of that. Just
1: reevaluating and Yeah, always, but, lists are always interesting to people.
0: Yeah. But we do our reevaluations every two weeks, so. Yep. So, DJD Kooks on Twitter, and you can follow Hit Matt's blog at Markoutmountains.wordpress.com.
1: Yeah, that's right. I, I haven't, um, I haven't done much except update my top ten matches of the year so far. But, uh, maybe, maybe I'll get some time to, to do something else over there soon.
0: And then we'll leave a plug for Superstar Sleezes podcast, which is Pro Wrestling Love
1: yeah um that that podcast is a lot of fun it's it's a variety of lists um and they're on the wc top wcw matches of all time i believe right now uh really interesting stuff and i'm gonna be i i will be on that show soon I, i've there's i think some some recordings in a can of, of sleaze and i talking about some shoot wrestling so um, uh, ah
0: yeah. you plug us
1: uh, I, I think so. I can't remember honestly. It was a lot of it was a lot of tape. If we didn't, I apologize profusely. Um,
0: because we were we profusely, but you're going to be on Super, Superstar Solis's podcast,
1: yeah. which
0: we're friends with on on Place to Be Nation. Um, mm-hmm. so so for 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 Matt and uh, and and no one else, is Danny Kugler.